and welcome to Evaluand, the podcast about the land of evaluation between you and me, your host, Dana Lino-Wanzer. This is the show where we interview people about any and all things evaluation related. This week, we're chatting with Zach Tilton about research on evaluation, meta-evaluation, and so much more. Zach Tilton is a doctoral research associate at the Interdisciplinary PhD in Evaluation Program at Western Michigan University, where he is setting and pursuing an agenda for research on peace-building evaluation. Zach, you've got a ton of things you're involved in, including the co-chair of the Integrating Technology into Evaluation TIG, and you're the Eval Youth representative to the American Evaluation Association. You're also researching a ton of things um, that we're going to talk about in this podcast, so let's just jump into it. Zach, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for coming. So tell us a little bit about uh, why you chose to get a PhD in evaluation, and specifically, how'd you end up at Western Michigan University? Yeah, you bet. Um, so, it, you know, my wife and I, we served in the Peace Corps, and uh, that's where I really cut my teeth on evaluation uh, and, and got a deep dive. And after that, my wife was doing a graduate program, and I was, you know, in the private sector, and I wanted to, I knew evaluation was where I wanted to go. Uh, and, and this was in 2015. And so I'm like, well, I know I'm not doing anything with it right now, but I'm going to go AEA. And so I went to AEA in the year of evaluation, and I think it was in Chicago. And uh, were you there that year? I was, yeah. It was a really great conference. And I, I, you know, I get there, and I just felt like I did this swan dive into all things eval, and that I had like found my people. And uh, it was a really exciting uh, swirl of all things that I was just really interested in. Um, and while I was walking around the poster uh, session, I bumped into, I believe, Mary Ramlow, who is at the program here at Western, and she is um, kind of an executive assistant for the program and told me about this program about, you know, it's, uh, it's funded and you can have, if you do a master's degree, you can have your master's count for up to a third of kind of the subject matter um, credits. And I was just really piqued, uh, intrigued about that. And so I'd already deferred to a master's program and then ended up going and doing my master's uh, overseas. And while I was there, really started um, having some serious uh, informational interviews with different students and uh, uh, program director and, and faculty. Um, and I think more generally, I decided to pursue a PhD because I um, felt like Evaluation can be a really invasive thing, and uh, that there's a lot of stakes, uh, and the stakes can be high, and especially for the type of evaluation that I'm interested in doing. And I really wanted to develop a expertise commensurate with the the stakes, and develop a, a specialization um, and a, a broad skill set and theory base to be able to draw on as I go on and try to you know apply and and practice evaluation and make a difference in others' lives. Yeah, that's awesome. I totally agree with the sentiment that like AEA is totally my home, right? right. They're my people. That is my, the people <laughs> I want to, you know, talk with every single day. Um, so yeah, I have the same feeling about that. Yep. Um, so you've said a lot about peace building evaluation. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So um, 
peace building evaluation is a subfield of the trans discipline of evaluation. It's a basically all things evaluation for uh, the practice based um, profession of responding to preventing managing transforming violent conflict. And that's what I did my undergraduate degree in and what I did my master's degree in as well. And, um, and so, you know, when we spend a lot of money trying to um, transform or resolve violent conflict, uh, a lot of people are interested to know what's working, what's not working. And so there's definitely um, a, a tight market, but a market for um, peace building evaluators. And I remember reading what you could call research on peacebuilding evaluation from some literature from a while back, uh, though it wasn't framed this way. And the lead author said, many peacebuilding evaluators are either peacebuilding subject matter experts or evaluation experts, but there's really no person who holds both of those um, bodies of knowledge to a degree of expertise that they would say they're both experts in both. And that just really stuck with me. And I said, I want to be that person. And um, I really like it. It's, you know, Michael Scriven talks about the necessity or the needing of like boundary spanners and how people try to find the passion of whatever, whatever they're passionate about and apply the trans discipline and the logic of evaluation to that uh, domain to improve it. And that's really what motivates me uh, and why I'm, I love evaluation and why I love focusing on peace building evaluation is because of my values. Both peace building and evaluation are normative. They're value based. And I'm interested in improving both, which is also connects to my interest in research on evaluation and meta-evaluation as well. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, you said something, though, that made me, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us in the field, uh, you know, there's this debate about whether evaluators should be specialists or generalists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if they should specialize in a topic versus specialize in evaluation, which they can apply to a variety of other topics. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting debate, and you know, many will say that you know theory is a luxury for evaluators, and that or that having a subject matter um, expertise for a particular domain even biases the evaluator, and so that, that maybe it's a benefit to not develop an expertise about the evaluand mm-hmm. itself. Uh, and you know, Scriven will talk about it is that you don't need to know how an electronic computer or typewriter works for you to evaluate it, you know, as a, as a user. Um, but if you think about it in the sense of if you're trying to engineer a electronic typewriter using the language of Scriven or what have you, then you probably do want to know that the inner workings or the mechanics or the theory that drives, um, a, a particular value and, or have the language to be able to, to, to track and follow. And so for me, it's a, it's a both and. That actually goes to why I got into evaluation as well as I just loved the whole repertoire of peace building activities, the gamut of prevention, response, the, the you know, participatory community action theater, the, the really high level track one, track two. And I was just so enamored by all of it that I didn't feel like I could actually specialize in any one approach in peace building like my wife specializes in facilitation and mediation and um, online negotiation and so forth. I just liked it all. And so I figured what's something that spans it all that I could just, you know, specialize in that thing, but still get exposure to all that. And it turns out everyone who goes and, you know, does human endeavor for peace wants to know, you know, what's working, what's not. So that's kind of, um, where I'm at. And I think that, um, you know, 
there may be a case for not specializing and there may be a case for specializing. And, and I think I, I do believe in, um, I'm interested in improving this kind of little <laughs> concentric circle here where evaluation and peace building uh, overlap. I think there's a lot of work there to be done. Uh, I also think that um, the peace building field could benefit from consulting and referring more to the transdiscipline of evaluation and the, the body of work and discourse over the past half century um, that I don't think we do a lot because we have this kind of exceptionalism that because of conflict dynamics, because of conflict zones or data deserts or what have you, that we need to create a really our own brand of peace building uh, and or hash out debates around about key evaluation issues that actually have already been discussed and resolved or at least debated for some time now. Um, right. So I I'm get interested. the sense. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say I'm interested in, in, in um, bringing those two uh, domains into more conversation that I think have been, so to speak. Right. And I get the sense that there's a lot of domains that um, could benefit from greater integration with evaluation, right? Um, right? In my personal, with my dissertation stuff, it was um, integration with the research practice partnership domain in, that's primarily in health and education. Right. Um, and it's just, it was just so funny to read the literature and they've like discovered Weiss. And I'm like, <laughs> right, right, right. Weiss has been around for quite a while. Yeah. And like, she's, she's the, mother of evaluation yeah she's like she's like who we think about when we think about use now right like and and for them to just like discover her i don't know i was just like kind of flabbergasted so like i i feel like evaluation is a way to be that boundary spanner that bridge what you know whatever metaphor we want to use um and so yeah i'm glad that you're doing that within the the realm of peace building that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah i like it so um I know the program at Western Michigan emphasizes uh, research on evaluation and meta evaluation a lot. So, um, how did you how did you specifically get in, interested in those topics? Yes. So, in large measure, it was my coming to Western to where I just really got more acquainted with both these concepts. First, I had, I I should say I had heard the word meta evaluation before coming to Western as a practitioner and had you know, seen some meta evaluations. However, um, my conception of it was one that's slightly different than what we typically think of in the trans discipline of evaluation or in our field is that um, the the OECD has two definitions of meta evaluation. One is what we typically think of, which is an evaluation of evaluation. Right. Processes, products, whatever, have you anything that's evaluative. But then they also say that a synthesis of evaluations uh, it could be a meta-evaluation, uh, which can get kind of tricky and confusing because you see it, we're finding it in the research that we're doing is that both, uh, that the term meta-evaluation is used somewhat, it's an elastic term, especially outside of the the, evalu- the evaluation discipline and other practice-based disciplines. Is right. They might be using it differently how we use it. And certainly many use it in this type of meta-synthesis uh, way of, of talking about bringing together a family of evaluations that focus maybe on a type of intervention or outcomes similar to like a meta-analysis, but less right. less um, precise and exacting that the type of methods you would find in a meta-analysis where you're, you're estimating pooled net effects of particular interventions and so forth. So this kind of goes back to, we were having a little Twitter conversation a while back mm-hmm. um, about kind of the overlap, the 
of between meta evaluation and research on evaluation, but that, that what you just said right there about um, it being like the second definition of synthesis, I think that's what I was missing. And that's why I didn't quite see as much of an overlap as you did, but that, uh, that makes a lot of sense in terms of, you know, if we think of meta evaluation as a synthesis of evaluations that, you know, hopefully is rendering some sort of value judgment at the end, which, um, I don't know. Have you read that EP, the article on uh, what was it? Evaluation program planning on knowledge syntheses. I have it earmarked, uh, and it's definitely something uh, that we've skimmed in our various courses because we focus a lot on knowledge syntheses in our research portfolio here at Western. Right, and I just I, I remember one of the takeaways was that. Um, a lot of these knowledge syntheses fail to get to that evaluative judgment basically at the end, which is a core component of a synthesis. Um, So even a synthesis could be more researchy versus evaluation, like um, depending on how you, you know, what you do with, with the end, you know, do you say, do you render that value judgment at the end or not? Oh goodness. We had a two hour conversation last night for a course that we're doing. Uh, basically it's a, a independent study that, you know, a bunch of us are coming together for, um, this kind of like a scoping systematic mapping review of meta evaluation practice. And what we're at is we have, we're at the data, we're preparing the instrumentation for the data extraction, the full text data extraction. And we're kind of at this switch track and we, a lot of the conversation, this is with Dr. Michael Harner, who is leading this work and a few other colleagues uh, at the center and in the program. It was, you know, do we, we set out to do a descriptive study in the classic ROE sense of describing uh, evaluation practice in this sense, in uh, meta evaluation practice. But we paused to say, you know, are, do we want to have a, a evaluative synthesis at the end and a, a normative you know, judgment value claim about the state of meta-evaluation practice given all the data that we will have extracted? And we spent two hours thinking through, you know, is that, do we want to wade into the evaluative thicket? And if so, how do we need to modify our, instru- our data extraction form, our instrumentation? And it was really fascinating um, conversation Going back to our, you referenced our Twitter kind of convo, and then the we had this webinar with um, uh, Bradley Cousins uh, uh, about uh, ROE, which is you know I think of the distinction between research and evaluation as going to this uh, the value free doctrine for me. That's like really key, which is research is about describing the world as it is, and evaluation is about describing the world as it is compared to as it ought to be. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, which kind of breaks down when you start to go up another level of the research on evaluation and, and the meta evaluation um, to some degree and in interesting ways. I'm still wrestling with that. But um, yeah, so that's uh, and, and Dr. Harner is his a big portion of his research portfolio is specializing in meta evaluation. And I should say that the 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 program at Western has a, you know, a storied past with meta evaluation with both um, Stuffel Bean and Scriven and Laurie Wingate, who've all done, you know, really key important work around, you know, theorizing meta evaluation. Again, for listeners, that being the evaluation of evaluation or an evaluation mm-hmm. of um, evaluation products or processes or 
what have you. Um, and so Michael, Dr. Harner is picking back up on that tradition and really trying to make much of the theorizing that has happened heretofore and put it with empirics and making them empirical theories, descriptive theories to hopefully get to these prescriptive theories. And this kind of gets to the second part of the question. I know I've been going on for a while here for these kind of deep dives, but the research on evaluation and why, like what, what got me into that and why I'm so jazzed about it um, is, you know, it, it's actually, it comes back to this aspect of conflict. You know, I'm a peace builder, I'm a peace building evaluator, and I use a lot of conflict theories and analyses to kind of make meaning of the world. And I see this tension in the transdiscipline of evaluation that is, is this dissonance. And it's this, that we are charged with helping practice-based fields and disciplines develop evidence bases for what works, you know, to use systematic inquiry, to, to have empirical uh, uh, studies into, um, you know, determinations of, of merit and, and understanding what's working, right? So that's our charge as evaluators. And maybe for boundary spanners, whatever your respective field is, whether that's research nexus of research practice, peace building, what have you. However, when it comes to developing our own uh, knowledge base, our theory base, far and away, the majority of our evaluation theories are prescriptive and unempirical. Yes, And and so it's like uh, we have this we have this supreme dissonance that when you like kind of open the hood a little bit. You realize well, it's not like the emperor doesn't have any clothes, but it just means that the, the cobbler's kids don't really have good shoes on or any shoes at all, so to speak. <laughs> and so I'm really encouraged when we talk about research on evaluation, and you could probably pr- provide the most recent uh, definition from the TIG, but you know, the, the systematic inquiry into developing new knowledge, testing knowledge, contributing uh, to knowledge about evaluation processes, practices, theories, and so forth. Um, I'm really encouraged by those who are working in this space because it means that they are really taking to heart the evaluative imperative and the systematic empirical values that we have in this profession and applying it inwardly and saying, okay, you know, if we think evaluation is going to improve, you know, peace building or social work or healthcare, then it should definitely improve evaluation itself. And we should be applying systematic inquiry ourselves to develop empirical descriptive theory. So that to me is so compelling and so motivating because, you know, I, I, I gravitated to evaluation to want to improve peace building. And now I've gravitated to ROE or research on evaluation because I want to improve evaluation as well. And I see that as a way. And that gets to like the nexus of ROE and meta evaluation because it's not just research on evaluation for the sake of creating knowledge for its own sake, right? right? You have this updated definition from the Research on Evaluation Topical Interest Group that uh, hints to the application and practice and improving re- uh, evaluation practice or putting that knowledge to work, which is really, to me, gets also to that meta-evaluative imperative that uh, Scriven and others have talked about the transdisciplinary evaluation has. So that's my long 
droning. Uh, hopefully uh, your listeners aren't asleep now that I've gone on for so long about those two topics, meta eval and, and research on evaluation. But I should say that uh, Dr. Chris Korn is um, outstanding in the field for research on evaluation and Definitely. has just uh, produced so much. And, and being there with uh, Dr. Korn and Dr. Korn and Harner uh, is really inspiring to, to, to hear them think through and design these studies and be involved in these studies. And so that's, that's how I got here i'm landing here for you that's how i got introduced really or uh, inducted to uh the worlds of meta evaluation and research on evaluation a lot to chew on there i know i know you gave me so much to think about um so one thing um i'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm like a little jealous of your program at western michigan about the the emphasis on research on evaluation and you know, when Dr. Harner was, uh, he was asking if anybody would be interested in collaborating on that, that project that you talked about, about the, you know, the synthesis of, of meta evaluation. And I'm just like, wow, I wish we had a class like that. You know, I don't know. I'm just a little jealous about that. So I think it's awesome that you're working on these types of things. Um, right. Speaking to the, the definition of research on evaluation, um, mm-hmm. I do just want to emphasize that Leslie Fierro was the one who kind of contributed right. that additional component of the definition that uh, our working group kind of ended up adopting, basically, sort of adopting. I don't want to say we've adopted it um, just because um, there was only a few people at the table when we you know, made those discussions. Um, but the thing that so this is the definition that she provided with us um, mm-hmm. about how she defines research on evaluation as a research investigation that generates findings with the intended purpose of creating a stronger evidence base and infrastructure for the applied practice of evaluation. So yeah, that emphasis of like, we're not doing research for developing a knowledge base, we're not doing research for um sake of doing research like we should be doing research to inform our practice right um which um i i kind of i kind of liken it to uh meta research research Uh, on research right yeah Yeah. i mean there's a lot there's a growing field of that type of work going Mm -hmm. on and i think of like research on evaluation as a form of meta research in that in that regard but um so much of even that that i see it just seems so kind of I don't see the purpose of what you've just done, you know, whereas I think what we're trying to do because we come in from this practitioner standpoint right. is really focused on like, well, I, I came in cause I wanted to improve something with evaluation, right. just like mm-hmm. you're saying. And then now I want to improve evaluation with meta evaluation with, uh, with research on evaluation and so on. But I agree. I get that tension a lot of, um, of, you know, we have so many prescriptive theories and we come in and we can't necessarily always just describe the program, right? That's not what they've hired us to do. If they right. did, you know, they don't need us. They could just get a researcher. Yep. You know, they've come in to, you know, we're, we're hired to render that valuative judgment. Um, but our, yeah, our field is just so prescriptive based and yet, yeah. you know, and then and then I have to come in and kind of flip that with my research and be very mm-hmm. descriptive because I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I agree with that tension. Yeah. It, it's like, you, you know, what we were saying is that, you know, we, we'll likely go through with just that descriptive study and we feel like that the prescriptive theories need to be on the foundation of descriptive theories. We need to need, know what's happening. But as we start to bring the data together, 
uh, and analyze, it's, it's going to be hard. We're going to fight against wanting to fall into an evaluative logic, uh, you know, because I've even thought, you know, any research that starts to make prescriptions is actually getting into the evaluative realm. Right. Because implicit in prescriptions is you're either saying this is good, you should do it, or this is bad, we should stop doing it, or this is missing and that is bad. And, and so it, it just really reveals even further the, the transdisciplinary nature of evaluation and how much evaluative work is done in the so-called value-free sciences, even even down to the, the traditions within reporting and, and research writing and so forth. Right. Although I... I... I would say that a lot of research tries to be value free and uh, fails miserably. Um, sure. Yeah. Or rather, you know, they want to be value free and the claim to be, but they're not. Um, yes. They just don't see how what they're doing is prescribing a particular value set. Right. Right. Um, here, here. You know, just the P less than 0.05 is a value that we're we're rendering. You know, and mm-hmm. and yet we can't even interpret that correctly. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah. I've been encouraged, though, in the, the the recent conversations around, you know, how to get away from that methodological straitjacket with with, uh, you know, p-values and so forth. And um, but but right, it, it really is something of a blind spot. And um, I, I'm encouraged, you know, I, I, I've drawn on theorists who have been formative and and our program and Scriven is one of those. And I definitely mm-hmm. kind of situate myself. I situate myself as kind of a Tarzan if we want to use the to somewhat problematic uh, evaluation theory tree that I like to swing from all types of branches, but I really find a home and have a treehouse in the transformative and the values branches. Mm. Um, you know, use has to be there, obviously, and you got to have good methods, but I, I really do see evaluation as making determinations about the merit, worth, and significance of evaluands, and that those should be in service towards social justice and equity, um, especially coming from my, um, you know, my subfield of evaluation, which is so much oriented toward responding to injustice and structural and direct and cultural violence. Um, it's hard to, you know, have a home on any other branch than that transformative um, one. Yeah, I've been struggling a little bit with the tree lately. Um, I, I voiced some of this on Twitter of struggle with placing people on the tree as opposed to approaches theories. or ideas, theories. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and then, you know, the way I hear almost everybody describe it, like nobody is on just one branch, except yeah. perhaps maybe the people who think of evaluation as an RCT, like, yeah, yeah okay, you're right. a methods person. I don't yeah. see you talking about values or use very much beyond that. Right. Right. But, you know, like I, I, you know, I swing from the use branch to continue your metaphor. Um, but obviously I see the importance of both the, you know, thinking about the methodological implications of what we're doing, as well as obviously we're a field rooted in values. And so we need to be thinking about that branch as well. So I've been thinking a lot about like, and I don't have any answers, um, but what a different typology could look like. Um, right. I'm not, I'm not crazy about the Shaddish Cook and Leviton one either. Um right. And I've heard, uh, I think it's Stuart Donaldson and Tarek Azam. Uh, the rivers or the deltas. Yeah the, yeah, the rivers. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that either. Because um, I, I don't know. I've, I've just been thinking about it in terms of how like, t- I teach theory to my students. And it feels weird to talk about it. There's like these three types of approaches when I don't feel like there's three types of approaches. 
Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I've um, uh, Dr. Harner spoke about a, t- a time in one of his courses at Claremont, uh, and I forget who the instructor might have been. It might have been uh, Dr. Christie or someone else, or I forget, but of like coming up with your own metaphor. And I don't know if you've done this, maybe with your students, or uh, I'm trying to think if you have or, or or haven't. You've done you've done creative stuff. I feel like I've I've, I've observed on Twitter of you shared, but he really enjoyed that, and I think we had some similar exercises here in our foundational evaluation theory course. And I like being having a moral imagination about what a different typology or imaginary looks like when it comes to talking about how theories evolve whether that's moving away from the arboral to more like complex rhizomatic structures that just kind of branch out in different directions to the linear rivers that come back and forth in and of themselves and um you know i I think at the end of the day there has to be many and they have to be rooted to the they have to be relevant to the people who are using them Um, and, and so I'm all for a multiplicity of metaphors to talk about how we talk about like what makes us who we are thinking about what Shaddish, you know, eval theory is what makes us who we are as evaluators. And, um, so I'm all for coming up with all kinds of metaphors and modalities to that. Well, I think, I think you said something that, um, would help us in thinking about a particular, you know, what a typology might look like is, is, making sure that it's actually useful for the people who are going to be using those theories and approaches. Right. Cause, um, right now I don't see the tree as being a useful, it's a, it's a categorization scheme, which is, it's fine. It's nice. Mm -hmm. Um, but I've been trying to think of it as a way of, I mean, I'm trying to figure out how to teach theory to my students, right? right. In a way that, you know, I have a year with them to teach them everything they need to know about evaluation. Um, (laughs) No pressure. Yeah, I know. There's not enough time. Um, But I feel like theory is important. But um, I want to teach it in a way that's like, okay, you've come across this program. Let's figure out some particular approaches that might be useful for this particular program. And so I've been thinking of it more as kind of um, like, uh, like, um, like a slider bar, right? Um, Does for, for instance, participatory, right? And that's the big slider that I always draw back on, but like, is this um, a program that would be conducive to a more participatory approach? And you might have a minimum of where you fall in or maximum maybe of where you feel like you should be doing evaluation work. So maybe you prefer, you'll never do an evaluation, which there's not at least a small level of participation from the stakeholders. Right. But maybe you don't go so far as being an an empowerment evaluator. Maybe that's like your cutoff or something. Um, But like some sort of tool to help people like navigate the choices right so that they get a list of like here's a few that might be helpful for you in this particular moment given what you've said you're interested in i i love it i mean you're talking about kind of what i see as traditionally been framed as the holy grail of research on evaluation which is identifying contingency theories of evaluation right which is you know you know i see it in my mind as a typology period uh, a pyramid we have the descriptive theories of just like describing like the research like what does it look like the prescriptive theories that are hopefully empirical and informed by the descriptions uh, as like what you should do uh, to do good evaluation and then the contingency theories at the top being like what should you do given these constraints, given the evaluation, yes. given the political context? 
what should you what works for who, when, where, why, and how with regards to the evaluative approach you take. And that gets to the, you know, as various researchers on evaluation have, you know, borrowed from other fields, contingency theories. And um, to me, that's uh, has been really appealing for much of my coursework. And I'm feeling like now it's kind of like a chimera, like it's, you know, it'd be so hard to come up with every single contingency and every single like prescription that you would say of, okay, I'm going to have a change here. I'm going to do this. Uh, we would be obsolete as evaluators. You'd if be obsolete, right. Yeah. So, but, and that's where like the evaluative thinking comes in as to, instead of trying to identify all these different myriads of contingencies and then like the checklist or the, the, the decision chart of how you would go to decide, it's like, well, let's develop that, that evaluative capacity to, to think evaluatively and, and, and to a, kind of approach those concerns and questions on the fly as they come because you've shored yourself up theoretically and, and methodologically there uh, and ability to question assumptions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, but but it's also, that's where ROE or research on evaluation is super helpful. So take Brad Cousins, um, him and I think uh, Whit Whitmer, uh, Whitmore, if I'm recalling right, they had this really foundational work at the uh, late 90s about participatory and collaborative approaches and making the distinction between practical participatory evaluation or transformative uh, participatory evaluation. And then even had a three-dimensional um, uh, typology of these different criteria or factors or dimensions about how you would situate a particular model or prescriptive model in the the family of participatory and collaborative evaluations, the approach of, of, of participatory eval, how you would situate that given how you involve stakeholders, uh, their depth of involvement, the who gets to decide, who gets, in, you know, all these different dimensions. I'm forgetting there's three of them and there's, yes. I think, an addendum Number now. Of the, the, who's at the table, the depth of their participation, yes. and yeah, what is the third one? There's a third one. There's even a fourth one that came back around power. Uh, oh, that right. Dr. Honor shared with me as well. And um, we'll have to maybe drum these up for the show notes, uh, links to those or something. But um, this is what I actually find really helpful. And if I'm a student of yours, I would feel like, yes, I would want to know what, what that is, that that's there, and that I could use it to situate myself and, and, and help orient me to the slew and the myriad of potential options or prescriptions or models that are out there to, to make something fit for purpose. Right. And that's where I really think both on a methodological standpoint, but even axiological or like a research paradigm or evaluation or inquiry paradigm is why the metaphors about eval theory are useful is because I think it's really important for evaluation practitioners, students, researchers, theorists to have a firm understanding of where they might be in that paradigm and, and what values they're drawing on, what epistemological standpoints, uh, what what their view of that the nature of reality ontologically, and, and then, then what are the methodologies that follow from that. I find that super valuable and not that it should be firm and fixed because a lot of evaluation theorists have evolved through the years right. and um, have found different homes uh, paradigmatically. But I think that's just a really useful exercise to feel, to know where you're at philosophically. And then also to use that knowledge to be able to understand the different research on evaluation frameworks, which help us demystify a lot of these theories and prescriptions and models 
to help us make sense of it because it's such a cacophony at times of theories and 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 solutions and so forth and and the that even the most versed evaluation theorist or practitioner can feel overwhelmed by all the different frameworks and models there are to go about doing this business of about evaluation so yeah exactly which i think goes back to you know why we do research on evaluation right like um going back to your pyramid um you know the bottom is descriptive and yet i think right now we're not we're a very inverse pyramid based on that right right, right <laughs> so right. hopefully we can get some more research and evaluation being conducted um, and hopefully starting well not starting with but continuing with your dissertation so it, i think you mentioned you're getting started on that a little bit Yep. Yeah. So I just had my final finals week uh, a few weeks ago. During Congratulations. This, thank you. Uh, during this uh, um, quite intense semester, as you're well aware, with oh, yeah. uh, COVID-19 and pandemic and everything. So it was, uh, it was a great relief. And I'm just wrapping up one more practicum right now. And then I'll be having a um, an oral uh, comprehensive examination, and then a submission of my uh, portfolio through the years that I've been in the program, and then I'll defend my dis uh, dissertation proposal. And um, my dissertation is uh, a field building uh, research on on peace building evaluation uh, set of inquiries. So I'll, I'll be doing three different uh, studies, uh, research on peace building evaluation studies that uh, roughly look at um, you know, describing, classifying the uh, peace building evaluation theory base, um, practice base, and value base. Uh, really trying to get at what it, what are the theories when we talk about peace building evaluation, when we write about it, what does that look like? Who are the theorists drawing from from the transdisciplinary evaluation? Um, and what are the different models or approaches they're drawing, uh, they're prescribing? Uh, in the practice, what are the different issues uh, that are different about peace building evaluation that that um, practitioners are wrestling with, and the contingencies and real world constraints they're facing, and and then a broad values inquiry um, about all of this. My my third study, which is probably the most ambitious, is an attempt to do what Mel Mark, Dr. Mark, talks about as a um, uh, as kind of a a, a impact analysis, so to speak, or like an ROE, a typology in, in, in ROE, which is looking at the outcome of a particular evaluation approach or model or practice. And I would be looking to say, uh, a, make a statement about is peace building evaluation actually doing what we think it is? And is it having the effect that we think it is? And that's the most ambitious study design I have so far, which involves process tracing and uh, qualitative work and um, will be the most challenging to think through. But yeah, so those are, that's kind of what I'm wrestling with and I'm looking really excited about it. So. Well, I'm excited for you. That sounds awesome. I'm that third study sounds like it could be a dissertation in, in of itself. <laughs> Honestly, it's so true. And I've had many people be like, are you sure you want to like play with that? But Dr. Korn's like, I'm not going to put fences on your future. I'm not going to say, you know, he's definitely like, super supportive of, of thinking grand and big. And I'm sure there'll be many uh, uh, modifications as, as I go along, as you're well aware. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been going back through my stuff. And um, today, actually, uh, I'm going to two different defenses from 
you know, colleagues back at Claremont um, and just seeing how everybody's dissertation changes from like the review paper stage, the lit review stage, all the way to the proposal and then to the final dissertation. Like you just never know what's going to happen, but it makes it so much more fun. There's this great meme that I've, I've seen shared around where it's like basically this one picture, one drawing, but it's like the proposal is this very detailed shading with pencils. It's a picture of a horse. Oh, it's yeah. Like I know the tail. Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. It's like really detailed. Here's my proposal. And then it starts to go into like really terrible stick figure for like the actual dissertation. And I'm totally fine with like a stick figure dissertation so long as like it's it's credible. And it, it's hey, you know, the, it's a horse. You know it's a horse. I think that the, the criterion of most importance is a finished dissertation. Yes. And hopefully I can make a marginal contribution to the, the space of peace building evaluation and that's useful for applied practice. If I know anything about the work you've been doing so far, I'm sure it'll be more than marginal. <laughs> Thanks. So speaking of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, how, how have you been holding up with you know your studies, your research, your evaluation work? Yeah, well, personally, it was, you know, I I have two little kids and my wife works full time. And so it was a bit of an adjustment just childcare wise and pivoting and being creative and figuring out a system that worked for us. But I recognized that we were very much in like the the sliver of privileged people who are non-essential knowledge workers. (laughs) As much as I do believe in evaluation and its necessity, it's kind of like we're almost like teachers or educators and that they're they're not working right now because of the nature we can still do our work and teachers can still do our work virtually with the assistance of technology but it was just uh you know anytime i felt like a woe is me i was like wow there are so many frontline workers working class folk who aren't knowledge workers that have to go you know be subjected to this and um and so, uh, yeah, we've been we've been holding up, and I think really it's just been like managing this like sense of uh, privilege, guilt, and allowing myself the freedom to actually have the tough days without feeling guilty about having the tough days because I maybe don't have as a worse lot as I could. Um, but yeah, I, I think generally, with just I've heard it described as the great pause, and I don't know what moniker will stick for the generations to come but in a way i'm kind of like okay that's maybe corny but it it is apt in some ways and i think even as the rest of 2020 heaven forbid i don't know what this year will has else in store for us in the script but um you know it's a it's a time for us to have a pause and have almost like a societal-wide values inquiry or reassessment And we're seeing that across the board in so many ways about how we value various professions, about how we value our health, about how we value the profit motive and and how we value justice and other things. And I think that's really, you know, early on in the pandemic, people were saying, you know, this is the great equalizer. It doesn't matter if you're poor or rich, we're all subject to the vicissitudes of a pandemic, which is just really patently false. Right. And um, and and so, you know, what we're seeing happen across the states with the economic precarity and with the uh, with the the pandemic and the challenges with public health is these rebellions. You know, we have in Minneapolis and Louisville uh, across the board of 
um, this kind of twin uh, virus. You know, we have the COVID-19 and then we have structural racism. And uh, these two viruses that are killing uh, thousands of Americans and disproportionately, both of these viruses killing black and brown folk disproportionately more than, than white folk, folk who look like you and me. And, and, and so, you know, I think this is a moment for us to rally, to, to stand in solidarity with marginalized and underprivileged and, uh, and, uh, systematically, um, affected uh, folk who are experiencing direct and structural and cultural violence here in the States. You know, I've done a lot of my professional career looking to build peace over there, you know, overseas Mm -hmm. uh, in conflicts in so-called fragile and uh, uh, affected um, conflict zones, so to speak. And there's quite a bit of work, so much work that needs to be done here in my own backyard mm-hmm. and which is why I'm really interested in civic engagement and, and, um, and, um, mutual aid and, and all these efforts. But I, yeah, so it's, it is quite a time, <laughs> Dana, how, how have you been holding up? Oh, uh, yeah, I, I am, uh, you know, feeling my privilege a lot lately. Um, right. clearly, um, I'm still kind of going through the culture shock of moving from California to Wisconsin. Um, and so, you know, I'm still grappling with a lot of that. Um, but no, I agree with everything you've said, um, you know, that we need to recognize and do something with the privilege that we have privilege, both as, you know, both of us white folk, but also the privilege we hold as evaluators, Mm -hmm. as knowledge workers, um, Mm -hmm. as people who have, um, you know, these core sets of values that, um, both of these, um, these pandemics, uh, are, you know, showing us that are existing, right? right? Um, you know, it's not the great, great equalizer, but it is hopefully making it a lot more obvious to people that this has been going on for quite some time and, you know, open your eyes. Right. And so I, I'm seeing a lot of people open their eyes, but, um, you know, maybe not so much opening their mouths or their wallets or their hearts. Um, yeah. So hopefully we see a little bit more of that because right now I'm, I'm a little uh, pessimistic about life and the world and our country. Um, but I'm, trying to do my part and be a better white person and, you know, be, uh, you know, work on anti-racism and all that type of stuff. And it's going to be an ongoing journey. Um, yeah, yeah, I appreciate everything you said. Yeah. I look forward to joining you, uh, and others in that journey. Yeah. So what, what's coming up? Uh, what's, what's next for you? I mean, you got dissertation. I got dissertation. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned I, I have my comprehensive oral exams uh, where I will have transitioned from student to candidate. So that's uh, later in the, the summer. Um, I So something I'm really excited about is you mentioned that I'm involved as the co-chair for the Integrating Technology into Evaluation Topical Interest Group. Uh, my other co-chair is Linda Raftree, and she is the founder and organizer of the Merle Tech Conferences. And this is an annual conference that happens internationally and brings technologists, development, humanitarian practitioners, and uh, monitoring, evaluation, research, learning practitioners, whatever acronym you want to think about systematic inquiry, bringing these spaces together to, to consider the ways that technology is enabling us to do what we've always done 
smarter, better, faster, cheaper, and then also ways technology is allowing us to do things we haven't previously imagined doing when it comes to uh, evaluation and making a difference in various um, social uh, betterment fields. So we have been involved in um, kind of like a state of a state of the field series of white papers. And we presented last year in AEA and we're just ready. We've just been wrapping and like, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's to, to launch these. We have three white papers and then an umbrella paper about the state of technology enabled evaluation for the past five years. And the three studies are traditional Merle tech, big data uh, Merle tech, and then emerging Merle tech. And so I've been involved in the traditional Merle tech that, um, uh, a scoping review and uh, mapping the evidence and the scholarly evidence base as to what this actually looks like. So developing descriptive theories of technology enabled evaluation. So that's uh, those three white papers in an umbrella paper are likely being published next month. And we're really, really excited about that. That's um, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So stay tuned. Um, let's see. I, uh, I do work with an organization called everyday peace indicators and this is kind of a boutique peacebuilding consultancy that uh, strives, strives to mainstream participatory and collaborative about peacebuilding evaluation approaches, but also peacebuilding research. So it's both of those. And I'm supporting work to design our prescriptive model of participatory and collaborative peacebuilding evaluation, where we follow the tradition of participatory numbers where we mix quantitative and qualitative approaches and strive to mainstream the indicators of peace and violence and other hard to measure constructs from the actual communities themselves, as opposed to having like external experts come in and say, you know, this is what success looks like. So that's really exciting work this year. Um, I'm having a systematic review of cost analysis and evaluation that I'm working with Dr. Korn and others uh, being, likely uh, wrapping up this year, uh, a validation study on, uh, this is kind of interesting, my, my undergraduate uh, thesis was on uh, a validation study about like Mormon, so I'm, I'm LDS, I'm a Latter-day Saint, so Mormon views about the end times and how those might have predictive validity for our involvement with social justice. Hmm. And so that is something that has been ongoing for close to 10 years now and that uh, I've just kind of been marginally involved since I left the center there, but I uh, started as my undergrad thesis and we're likely publishing that soon. Um, and then one an, an edited chapter book around the evidence of effectiveness and peace building evaluation. So I have a, a chapter that I've been invited to contribute to. Um, so those are those things. And one last thing I should say, I work for the Digital Impact Alliance, which is housed at the United Nations Foundation, and I am doing principles-focused evaluation work. So for those familiar with Michael Quinn Patton's uh, approach and model of principles-focused evaluation, we're taking that approach and we're doing what's called digital principles-focused evaluation. Uh, there we have um, a set of generally accepted uh, digital principles for development that over 200 signatories have signed on to. And so we're working on various evaluation products and processes and evaluations uh, with that. So I know that's a lot, but those are all the things I'm super excited about that are coming up. Yeah, that's, oh my gosh. And I'm kind of wondering where you find the time. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> insane. <laughs> 
So uh, one thing I, I'm uh, kind of trying out with all of my guests is just to ask them, like, what in evaluation is giving you life right now? And I, I think, you know, you, you gave me a laundry list. Uh, some of the things you told me about were on that laundry list. But what's mm -hmm. giving you life right now in evaluation? Oh, man. Uh, so much. I The first thing that comes to mind is just this 20-year-old book that I finished from Dr. Thomas Schwant called Evaluation Practice Reconsidered. It is a collection of his essays, and it's a rumination on like evaluation and postmodernity, and it really has it holds up twenty years later. There's so much stuff here. He talks about just reclaiming evaluation as less of a modernist uh, practice focused on procedural bias control and 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 rigor, and more of like this philosophical moral praxis. And it's really radical stuff, and it's really deep for those listeners who are familiar with uh, Dr. Schwant's work. He can really uh, swim in deep waters. And so I just really enjoyed this as kind of pleasure, complimentary reading to a lot of the uh, required readings. Um, Eval Central's unwebinars, like hands down, have been giving yes. me life. Like they are mm -hmm. so amazing. And if you're listening to this and you haven't, hopefully we can provide a link to the show notes, but they are amazing. I think you're a part of the the group of blogs that uh, feature in that kind of aggregator of, of blogs and eval central is it's just, it's, um, you know, Chris is doing great work there. The equitable eval initiative. Yes. I, you know, I'm, I, you know, just found out about them, I think uh, one or two years ago and learning more and more about the work that they're doing. That's really encouraging for me, uh, given my kind of paradigmatic uh, standpoint. Um, the Eval for Action campaign, which yes. is a really great international campaign for this decade of action, for evaluative action and getting to these, uh, you know, 2030 goals, the Sustainable Development Goals. Mark Sagone and, and Khalil Batar have been uh, rallying just a, a, an incredible a group of evaluation thought leaders, parliamentarians, uh, VOPI leaders, volunteers, those who are interested in, in bringing the logic of evaluation to make a difference and material difference in the lives of, of others, check out the Eval for Action campaign. Um, uh, yeah, I know these are like laundry lists, so I could go on, but maybe that's good well, enough. That's why for... we're friends, because we just <laughs> nerd out over evaluation. Right, so. right. right. Uh, absolutely. I'm inspired by, um, uh, you know, the chair for Eval Youth, Khalil Batar, talks about this intersection of evaluators being uh, activists and advocates. And so uh, with that spirit, I, I think I'd like to plug, you know, various um, Black youth-led movements right now that are standing in solidarity with the uprising in Minneapolis and around the nation around the, the recent murder of uh, George Floyd. And those are um, the Black Visions Collective, Reclaim the Block, the Twin Cities Coalition for Justice for Jamar, uh, uh, as well as the Minnesota Freedom Fund. These are all great organizations that are standing in solidarity and helping to make a material difference for these communities. So that's what I'd like to say. If you have the means, please go and donate um, and see, uh, check, about, check out the great work they're doing. If anybody wants to get in contact with you, how can they best find you? Yeah, so they can find me at Zach Tilton on Twitter. I'm on there. Mm -hmm. Hashtag eval Twitter. 
uh, it's a, it's a it's a fun group. We we have some lively conversations at twelve uh, uh, at night on a Friday night, and belies our <laughs> lack of social uh, life. Least myself speaking. Uh, they can get, reach me at um, Zachary.d.tilton at wmich.edu as well. Perfect. Thank you. I will put all of that contact details in the show notes. Uh, and thank you again for coming on the podcast. You bet. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please visit the podcast website at evaluland.fireside.fm where you can subscribe to get notified of new episodes and contact us with your questions, comments, or suggestions. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, this has been Evaluland. Land.